everyone, assalamu alaikum. My name is Fahan, and you're listening to the Nisa Invest Tea Talk podcast. Hope everybody's feeling good, ready to start your Friday. Alhamdulillah, it's Juma today, and we're here to recreate in podcast form what happened earlier this year at my local mosque sister circle where a group of us uh, got together and I was able to talk all things halal personal finance. Whether it had to do with budgeting, halal investments, pensions, we covered all of it. By the end of the session, I asked my sisters to leave me with the questions that they had so that I may be able to continue the conversation with you in podcast form. So, thanks so much for being here, and let's get started. So the question was, what the risks are in investing? And I'm going to start by asking and posing the question, what the risks are if you don't invest? And so, uh, okay, maybe we backtrack a bit further. So why is it that? Uh, when it comes to investing there is risk involved in you know in its simplest sense it's our wish to not lose money Uh, because if you invest in a company allowing them to you know carry out their strategy and grow their business and you end up sharing in their profit but as we know whether we're talking about entrepreneurship or just literally investing in in a in a huge company any of those types of investments uh, have an element of things just not working out. And so the fear of losing your money is uh, a big part of the thing that makes investing risky. But if you're new to investing, there's also another thing that makes us unwilling uh, to go about that. And that's the fear of change, the fear of doing something that you've never done before. That also is kind of um, baked into our internal calculation of when it comes to us uh, deciding whether investing is something for us or not. And those two concepts have a name. So the first one, our fear of losing things, is called our loss aversion. And the second one, our fear of change in general, is uh, humans beings tendency to prefer the status quo and perhaps the latter one the the whole idea of sticking with the status quo is perhaps something that we can kind of be like okay that is something that we recognize but we know that perhaps it doesn't really serve us uh, in the long run whereas loss aversion between the two is the one that to me feels like pretty rational and scientists have proven this also in experiments that human beings um, feel twice the level of pain that they do losing something compared to the pleasure they feel gaining something so we would rather not lose something more than we would like uh, to gain something and so playing with the these two concepts we can then think about what happens if you don't invest because appreciating that hopefully makes us feel like perhaps the status quo isn't so great to begin with and perhaps we realize that we're losing something also when we don't invest and so let's uh, get get started and i have three uh three 
topics uh, to to go through and all of these are super general i have to say they're almost universal and then you can unpick those and think about how is it that they impact you as an individual so the first uh concept that we'll go through that helps us understand exact to, to help us get our heads around the concept of risk is perhaps uh, one of the most fundamental uh, concepts when it comes to finance. I, I think that it's probably one of the universal laws of finance, perhaps. And that's the concept of the time value of money. The idea that a thousand pounds today is not the same as a thousand pounds in a year's time. So if we sit with that for a second, what does that mean? That means that effectively, to m- if someone says to you, I'll give you this money, but you'll have to wait a year for it. You cannot think that it's the same thing, right? Because in your mind, what's going through your head is, well, in that year's time, I could have put that money to work in some ways. I could have invested it, for instance, and in so doing, I could have earned a return that I otherwise wouldn't have gotten if I waited a whole year to receive that same amount. And so what you're, you would effectively want is some type of compensation for the earning potential of that money during the time period that you had, uh, you didn't have access to it. And so that time delay is also something that you may be more familiar with, the idea of um, the opportunity cost of something. And so immediately what goes through your mind is the fact that therefore investing our money is a way for us to ensure that there is utility attached to the money that we have today. And if we left it as cash sitting somewhere, we would be robbing its ability to earn a return over time and therefore um, investing your money is a way for you to retain its buying power over the long run and it hasn't just reduced because of the opportunity cost that it could otherwise have avoided but also um, by the concept that we do know which is just generally uh, inflation and so we know that um in, a, in an economy, um, there's a certain level of inflation whereby uh, the value, the actual paper value of the money that you have decreases over time. And so when in, in its strictest sense, when we're looking for an investment, we're trying to avoid the loss of that comes with inflation, but also avoid the opportunity cost uh, associated with keeping money let's say, just sitting there compared to otherwise making it work in some form of an, an, of an investment. And so whilst there is clear loss aversion and fear of losing something when you when it comes to putting in, a money away in um, an investment that might decrease in value, we cannot avoid the fact that there is some level of loss aversion um, associated with the fact that if we don't invest our money in assets that are able to uh, beat inflation, the buying power of what we own today will inevitably uh, decrease. And that 
concept is also uh, something that can help us deal with uh, the status quo problem, the idea that, you know, I'm comfortable where I am today uh, with things as they are, because we can appreciate that making this change comes with benefits as well. So to sum up, keeping the concept of the time value of money in our minds when it comes to uh, thinking about the risks associated to investing allows us to appreciate, first of all, that um, keeping money aside that you're not using for a prolonged period of time, uh, there is an opportunity, a cost attached to it as it could otherwise have been put to use uh, in that time. And then second of all, the effect of inflation impacts our money, meaning that its buying power gets reduced over time. And so seeking an investment to not only beat inflation, but also increase its utility by finding um, alternative investments helps us, I think, appreciate the fact that there is some loss attached to the idea of not investing in the first place and the status quo of staying in where we are today is not as attractive as we might think it is so okay so so that's the first point so we've moved away from thinking that uh, not investing is the safest thing to do Um, what comes next i have a second uh, concept that i want to go through with you and this one you'll be pleased is one that we can get a lot of comfort from and that relates to time, the time value of money somewhat because it's the concept that we're going to go into, which is the idea of compounding returns. And so I, we have um, discussed that when it comes to investing, more powerful uh, things related to it is the idea that um, if I open up a, a halal index fund, I put money in and I get capital gains from it, meaning that the value of my investments grows over time. But what happens each year is whether or not your investments go up or down, the baseline from which you're starting from is different. And there, and that means that, for example, if in the first year, let's say that the, the price increases by 10% and you put in £100, you end up getting 110 And let's say that then that 110 is still invested in the market. That means that you are not taking an income from your investment, you're leaving it in there. And the same thing happens next year. You get another 10% on your money. Now, the simple interest calculation would mean that you would just get 10. But that's not what's happening because we're getting 10% not on 100, but we're getting it on 110. And that means that at the end of year two, we are we have 121. And um, if you carry this on year after year after year, what that would look like on a graph is an exponential um, curve. Each year, the baseline from which we're getting a return uh, might be higher and higher. You get an exponential curve. Now, of course, investments can go up and they can go down. That's what makes the time horizon so crucial because what we're saying is that the longer that you are in the market, these gains average out because we're not saying that you're going to get 10% every year. What we're saying is that on average, your return is 10%, meaning that one year you might get 15 
one year it might go down 10, another year it might go up 20, another year it might go down 7. But over the year, those gains average out. Um, you don't just see your year-on-year -year gain. You also get the uh, compounding returns from the fact that your, in, your investments are able to grow over time. And why is this so crucial when it comes to uh, understanding risk? That's because intuitively, when you need that money will determine how risky of an investment you will go with. And breaking that up, I think, is very helpful. And that is actually one of the tips that um, that I was going to go through a bit later. But what are we saying? The, the, the rule of thumb there in general is that if you're investing in the stock market, you should just leave it in there for at least five years. Why do we say that? Because you're giving your money a chance to weather the ups and downs. And so why did I say that that thought is really comforting? It means that we don't have to invest all of our money. Of course, we have plans for it in the next month, in the next year, in the next two years. Anything that you need within that time period shouldn't be money that gets put into the stock market. The rule of thumb is leave it for five years. But if you're listening to this, ask yourself, what is really my time horizon? And hopefully you'll find that maybe it's 40 years. Alhamdulillah, maybe it's even 50 years. And if that's the case, you can feel pretty good about putting some money away knowing that a portion of it you might not need for, let's say, 10 years. What, what's important to appreciate as well is that um, it's not like it's a fixed goalpost. As you get closer to whatever uh, goal that you had, you might go into less riskier investments. So um, that was the second concept, the idea of the time horizon of your investments effectively dictating your capacity to withstand risk and that not all risks are the same. And uh, the last one, is about when we talk about risk what is it that we're talking about like what about putting our money in the stock market makes it risky and that is the concept of uh, volatility what does volatility mean it's the rate at which your money moves up and down so it's not so much the fact that it's risky because it could go down a lot it's risky also because it could go up a lot as well. So it's the level of change that we can expect from an investment that determines its level of volatility. Now, when it comes to volatility, I just before we talked about time horizon. And if we take a super long time horizon, I feel that the reason why we should be okay uh, comforted by the concept of volatility or even embracing it in some ways is the idea that we cannot escape volatility in its entirety. Why? It's because we are part of the economic cycles. Economic cycles exist. They, you've got boom period, you've got bust periods. If we go all the way back in history, there were, um, the economy hasn't just gone up and um hasn't just flatlined the whole way through. We can appreciate that there has been a huge level of economic growth 
over the last century or over the last period in which we've tracked uh, the stock market. But within that period, it hasn't just been all plain sailing. There have been periods where it goes up, it goes down. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, okay, so what does that mean for me? I almost summarize this point as almost wanting to claim um, your full potential as an economic agent on this earth, meaning that you spend money, you earn money, that kind of has an impact on the economy. You also want to be investing your money because you want to benefit from the ups and downs of global economic cycles and a really like we don't even have to uh, go that far back in history if you're listening to this you probably lived through covid and what happened to asset prices meaning all the stuff that we can invest in uh, all of these asset prices were impacted by covid in a huge way um and uh, a statistic that came out uh, i remember reading this and it really um, left a mark on me uh, about the idea of just simply being an investor. What happens in, in the world kind of impacts you differently. And so what happened uh, during COVID, a report came out by, I've got it here, a report came out by Credit Suisse. And according to their research, during COVID-19, 1% of adults worldwide were millionaires for the first time. And how can that be true? Well, um, the reason given for this wasn't because suddenly everybody (laughs) was super clever and got paid a lot of money because of what they achieved. It was simply because the reason given for this was largely because of the increase in the value of financial assets people owned. Uh, So what does that mean? It means that simply because uh, you had money invested in the Um, in the stock market you saw your net worth grow and if what I mean during COVID what what happened the market fell almost 30% compared to where it was in January the bottom of the market I remember was on the 23rd of March and since then by the summer it had already recovered certainly in the US uh, it may have been a bit later in Europe And then 2021, the market on average was up 20%. 2022, it was down 20% or uh, uh, perhaps even more. And now this year, it's up uh, in like its mid-teens. What does that mean? It means that um, there was huge volatility in the market. But it was huge volatility, not in like one stock. We're talking about all assets uh, globally. You know, it's almost like all the boats uh, in the uh, in the harbor uh, got impacted not to do with like what individual boats were up to but generally just uh, because of the tide and uh, what controlled the tide in covid was interest rates so because uh, the uh, governments worldwide they flushed the market with cash just to get the economy going again they made it a lot cheaper for example in the uk for people to buy houses and so um uh, and therefore what 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 did that do it raised the price of homes and so if you owned a home before you suddenly found yourself uh, a lot richer. Uh, same thing if you owned uh, some stocks, they go down 
And as an investor, if you had a strategy where you just constantly invested, what happened? You suddenly found yourself at the end of the year benefiting from the fact that the market went down 30% and then went up and finished the year uh, up 20%. And that is volatility that just impacted everybody on on planet earth if we reflect on that what does that mean it doesn't mean that it's like a scheme for get rich quick it's more or at least what it did to me it kind of just made me appreciate that it's kind of something that we want to do is go through life acquiring a range of financial assets each of them will have individual risk return profiles Uh, what happens to homes is different to what might happen to gold is different to what happens to stocks but if we diversify and we can talk about diversification in a later episode uh, we'll find ourselves simply benefiting from whatever is happening in the global economy just by being economic agents that own financial assets uh, and take a more like uh measured approach when it comes to uh, understanding volatility and what volatility means uh, and appreciating that it's not like we're not talking about uh, investing in the sense that it's like gambling quite the opposite it is someone that's taking a very long-term view and appreciating the fact that over time different financial asset classes move in different ways and the alternative of just keeping my money as cash that in of itself has risk and so what I want to do is kind of diversify and own different types of uh, financial assets as I grow older as my time horizon changes I I feel like that is a a healthier um, relationship with the idea of risk hopefully where we want to get to is like having like ice uh, ice cold veins to be cool calm and collected when it comes to making decisions especially those that relate to uncertain outcomes or anything to do with change and so um where does that bring us i've I've written down four tips about how to deal with uh, risk in a productive uh, way when it comes to investing and uh, the first one is no surprises here <laughs> if you've listened to the four episodes of this podcast uh, so far you probably know what I'm gonna say and that is uh, your emergency fund having an emergency fund is what investors refer to as a margin of safety that is theoretically if someone had to write a formula about someone's risk tolerance and come up with an actual number one of the variables in there is going to be margin of safety what does it mean in practical terms is we're not investing all of our money it's answering the question how much are you willing to lose now i'm not willing to lose my emergency fund to an investment and so that is a number that i've set Uh, that I know is what is going to keep me in the market for the long run because I have this the answer to the question how much are you willing to lose today on an investment that you have a time horizon for that is five years plus the answer should be all of it um and that's not to be like super dramatic but it's the reality of the type of return that you would like also Uh, to get from that investment so what are you saying you're saying that whether it goes up and down I appreciate that it could go down but it could also go up but over time 
I'm willing to withstand that risk because of the return that I can expect for the risk that I took. And what we're talking about is investing in halal index fund. Yes, you could lose all your money, but that in of itself is a, a, a diversified risk because you're investing in the market. I'm not saying you have to stock pick, um, and that's kind of going into too much detail. The whole idea is have an emergency fund uh, as a way uh, to make you feel like the money that you're investing is can do its job and it can stay there for as long as possible because that's the way that you will truly benefit not only from the returns but also the compounding returns and also it, it might sound alarming when I say you might lose all your money you will only lose the money if at that point you let's say it's down 30% if at that point let's say March 23rd 2020 if you looked at your investments and and you saw them so low and at that point you took your money out that that would have been you realizing that loss but if you kept it in there and then you let it ride if anything even if you kept putting money in in a consistent way you'll find that you'll actually get even more uh, bigger returns so that was the first uh, tip uh, which is uh, have an emergency fund that speaks to the level of margin of safety that you want for your investments and so that brings me to the second suggestion and that is to uh, commit to yourself to a very long term time horizon if you don't have one in your head right now uh, tell yourself that any money that you put into your halal index fund or any type of uh, asset class you want to leave it in there for at least five years we want to tell ourselves that we're in there for the long term and feeling that you know you've got your budget you've got your emergency fund you've got different financial goals and so you might have one that is putting money away for your children to go to university that kind of that let's say portion of your investment you you can feel like you're going to put that to work for you know at least 15 years or even longer maybe the deposit that you're building to buy a house you might feel like um you know it will be between five to ten years let's say if you're just starting out um as you get closer to that time period, especially if as soon as you hit within two years of that time period, like none of it will be invested. As in, you'll be, it will suddenly become a short-term goal. And so you should see that as not just like a, this money is going to stay there in the, in the stock market until the day before I'm ready to buy a house. No. If you get closer to that within that 10-year frame, it stops being a long-term goal. It starts to be a short-term one. And it's personally reasonable, perfectly reasonable to have a, a huge portion of that be in cash. And the third uh, tip is um, the concept of dollar cost averaging. What does that mean? It means that uh, you remember how I said that your money could go up, it could go down, it could go up, it could go down. Uh, and so, but you are also investing throughout that. Now, the more frequent times in which you invest, the more you smooth out those 
those ups and downs, right? Because if you're investing, let's say once a week, a hundred pounds or something, let's say you're debt free and you're willing to, you're able to invest 20% of your take home pay, which is fantastic. You do that every, um, and you, you might do that every month. And to be fair, that's how I've done it. But imagine you did it, you split that and you did that every week. If the price of something was high one day and then it was low another day and you bought it when it was high, fair enough. But then the following week when you bought it when it was low, you've averaged it out. The average dollar cost of your investments gets lower. Um, it gets averaged out for these changes uh, in price. And how does dollar cost averaging help you deal with risk? It's in the name. It averages out the volatility of uh, the uh, investments that you're making. And so the third tip was dollar cost averaging. And then the fourth tip is probably the best one of all. It's the last thing that I'll talk about today. And that's the idea of not looking at them. Just don't look at your investments, especially those that you have a time horizon of five years plus, meaning anything that you put into an index fund today, uh, you really benefit from only looking at it, let's say, once or, like really properly looking at it or, or judging it once or twice a year. It's because you're going to realize those gains at the time period that you had in your mind uh, to take it out. And the return that you're expecting isn't like the return that it did in that moment. It's the return, it's the averaged out return from having dollar cost averaged your way throughout the time horizon of your investing uh, period. And so I hope that was helpful in breaking down our attitudes towards risk. I feel like having these helpful strategies almost uh, helps us dissect our human psyche in, in, in a certain way. Uh, we shouldn't uh, shy away from the fact that as human beings, yes, we don't like to lose stuff. Yes, change can be difficult. But de-risking these decisions for ourselves by having an emergency fund, by committing to a really long time horizon, by dollar cost averaging our way throughout uh, the time period of our investment and setting ourselves the goal to just not look at our investments day in, day out, resist the urge to be like, oof, what's the what's the market doing today? Mm-mm. That hopefully if you take all of those things on board you can see how this is an incredibly boring approach to investing uh, the more boring the better it should feel like you're watching paint dry it should feel like you're looking at grass growing you just don't want to encumber your mind with these things just set it forget it go outside enjoy your life knowing that you've invested inshallah for the very long term So uh, that was kind of my outro, I reckon. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you very much for that question. Um, That was an excellent one. I feel like 
now it kind of opens up the door for us. I have some other questions, uh, if I can even give you a preview. They're a bit more, let's say, specific in nature about different asset classes and uh, when to invest, where to invest, that type of stuff. And so I feel like we're in a good position to tackle those two in the coming weeks. Thank you so much for joining me. I've been Fahri Bramhashi. You're listening to the Nisa Invest Talk podcast. I will see you next Juma. Uh, assalamu alaikum. Bye for now. Thank you.